This episode of Let's Think On It comes from an excerpt from O Brother Radio with Will Lockamy, Reed Lockamy, and Dr. Mark Westfall. Westfall, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Thanks back. Yeah, good yeah. to see you. Same here. Um, what are we going to be talking about tonight? Well, you know, we've been doing this little series on um, science on screen that mm-hmm. we're doing down at McWayne. And uh, bringing each of the scientists, they're having talk with each movie. Yeah. And so I'll have another one of those here tonight. Excellent. And so the topic is going to be genomics or DNA. As I put on my email, messing with DNA. Mm. Okay. Messing with Sasquatch. Mm -hmm. It's like, do you really want to do that? Uh, mm, uh, I mean, I guess there are pros and cons. I don't know. We're going to find out. There are, yeah, exactly. Because in yeah. theory, there are pros, and in theory, there are cons. We'll figure out what's real and not. I hope so. That's yeah. exactly what we should be talking about tonight. Let's Excellent. Do that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So our expert tonight is Heather Tinsley, correct? Hi, yep. yes. Doctor. Doctor. Heather, See, yes. that's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I made this mistake uh, a couple With episodes our first ago. One. Yeah, we no. both did. Yeah. Not a real doctor, doctor. You're a doctor. <laughs> well, what do you mean? PhD. You got doctor. your PhD. <laughs> you have, yeah, listen. You we stayed have, in school long enough. You get to be called Dr. Tinsley. We have uh, one of our best friends is a pharmacist, and he has his PhD in pharmacy. Right. And so um, he'll do that. Like, oh, I'm not a real doctor, but we we call him Dr. Rome. Everywhere. Like, we're not going to call him anything but yeah. that. Only my husband all. has to call me Dr. Tinsley. <laughs> okay. well, we're going to as well, so <laughs> we'll join the club. Well, in there. my world, you know, I'm an MD, but I'm a psychiatrist, so even I'm not a real doctor. Right. <laughs> what does that mean? You are a real doctor, though. I know, but you hear that a lot, you know, because oh, okay. you deal with the brain and uh, not really. So. Yeah, but you are. You're Dr. Mark so. Westfall. That's right. So, um, all right, yeah, cool. Yeah, so tonight's topic is DNA, and, you know, I was asking friends and family kind of, uh, you know what their understanding of you know DNA is chromosomes uh, genome. I mean, do you guys you, you are both very intelligent people, mm. but in general, I mean, do you, do you know what the difference? Do you know what all that is? I mean, what is that? What's the difference between a genome, the genome, and DNA and chromosomes? And yeah, I, I did know all of this. I'll admit, yeah, there was a time when I definitely knew. Now I would yeah. not want to give yeah. definitions. Well, so for those listening, I've come up with a little bit of analogy. So it's okay. very. Basic analogy. Okay. All right, what you got? Okay, so um, let's think about the genome or the genetic code, okay. okay, as the totality of our... That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. Okay. Make that analogous to a set of blueprints All right. that you might get uh, to build something, a house, machinery, whatever, yep. okay? okay? So this, the entire set of blueprints is our genome, our genetic code, okay? And that set of blueprints is broken into 23 sections, Okay. Right. Each section mm-hmm. has two pages. Right. Each page is a chromosome. Okay. So okay. there's 23 pairs right. of chromosomes. So there's 20, 23 sections. Of, hence 23 and yeah, me. Exactly. Okay. All over it. There you go. Yeah. So one of those pages you get from your mom, mm-hmm. one of those pages you get from your father, right? And each of those pages in that section code for the same things. Or let's say they, they're blueprints for the same part of the house. Right. But they designed it differently. Yeah. Okay. Like a bathroom with a double vanity is the dominant gene. Bingo. Okay. Gotcha. Exactly. Versus okay. a single vanity, we all know is inferior and, and if recessive. You have, if you have a bidet, then that's some kind of a malformation. That's of a the, mutation of some okay, sort. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay. You're all over it. Okay. okay. I'm with so, you so far. Right now. So on each page of this blueprint, mm-hmm. um, a discrete identifiable area of the page let's say mm. the bidet 
okay. or the, the sink. Okay, each separately identifiable piece yes. that's coded for is a gene. A gene. A gene. Okay. Okay. And if you look at the the paper and the ink that the blue, assuming that's what they're mm-hmm. printed with on, the the components of the paper and ink are deoxyribonucleic acid. It's DNA. That's DNA. That's DNA. That's yeah. the components of the paper and ink okay. that make genes. That make that the make genes. Chromosomes okay. that are the genetic code. I'm with you. And all of that is housed in the nucleus of every single cell of your body. Wow. And the two guys that live in the house are named Watson and Crick. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and they I'm living there. They knocked on that. They they put the number on the door yeah. in 1950 uh, long, t- long time ago. Well, but not that long. Not too long. 53, you think about 60 years maybe? It's not. From first identifying DNA to yeah. now all that we're messing with it? Think about back to when DNA was first invented. That was a long time ago. <laughs> that was it. Now, that's a long time that's ago. That's a long time if ago. If I would have like cheated and Googled over here and mm-hmm. actually like looked up defini- definitions, it still wouldn't have explained it that well. That's that a really great way that was to good. think about that. Thanks, thanks. Well, Did you actually come up with that? Yeah, what? Did you come up with I that? Up, well, I'm not the first person to come up with an analogy of blueprints for DNA, but I came up with that last night when I was trying to explain it to folks in the family nice. who knew it, but were like, it's kind of trouble putting yeah. it all together. So yeah. that's kind of what Okay, that's good. All right. All right. So, well, so I guess you're not needed that. anymore, so Dr. Tinsley. That's yeah. the basics. Yeah. Now, yeah. Dr. Tinsley, Tinsley yep. is going to take us on a joyride of fun along okay. more knowledge of the DNA. I just gave you the kind of the intro, kind of the basic non-science version of it. She's the real deal. And she's talking on uh, a movie called Gattaca, right? So mm-hmm. oh. let's introduce Dr. Tinsley. Okay. Hi. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah. Real Dr. Tinsley. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, um, all right. So yeah, let's talk about the film first of all, because I'm, I'm unfamiliar. Gattaca. In, um, yeah. Okay. So Gattaca is this movie that is about genomics in the sense um, it's a futuristic movie that looks at how we can take someone's genome and look at what their possibilities in life are. Mm. And so it's this new form of discrimination is kind of the underlying tone of the whole movie where people are discriminated against because they are considered inferior because they are not genetically engineered Mm. and their genomes are just basic and they're at risk for certain genetic diseases because of that. This sounds very Black Mirror to me. When I read about it, I thought, man, this is because I love Black Mirror, the series. Y'all have mentioned that, and I still haven't seen it. Oh, dude, you got to watch it. Now, in the film, are people, like, designed to be that way, or? Right, so the Mm. the idea is they have the capability of creating these designer babies and going in and selecting embryos that have certain traits based on their genomes. They're not at risk for certain diseases, but maybe... They, they're not going to have a propensity towards violence, mm. um, but then they still are going to have, you know, stamina and strength and all of these traits that we consider beneficial. And these are parents making these mm-hmm. decisions? Okay. So the parents are going in and meeting with genetic counselors and choosing their embryos based on these traits. And so that group of people are considered valids. So those are the superior race, uh, in a sense. They've in the been movie. designed. Right. And okay. then you have the invalids, which are the quote unquote love babies, the ones that were not genetically engineered. Mm, love babies. Love child. Someone <laughs> cue up the song right now. That's yeah. right. Um, hey, let's let's do cue up a song and take okay. a quick break because that's a perfect spot awesome. to, to stop when we come back. I have lots of questions. Yeah, let's like, all think about love babies love for the babies. next four yeah, minutes. Mostly yeah, during good. the break here. Hey, we're hanging out with Dr. Mark Westfall. We're talking about DNA and 
genomes and the, the whole thing. Yeah. And we've got lots of questions. We've got a lot of questions. Yeah. No doubt. Um, also, Dr. Heather Tinsley is here with us. And so we just talked about a film that's going to be showing at McWayne Science Center coming up. Is that next Thursday? Yes. Next, next Thursday. Thursday. Okay. Yeah, really cool. Science on Screen is what this yeah, it's, series it's cool. is called. They show a movie. They talk about the topic, show a movie, and you learn stuff, right? I love it. And I love that we get to preview it here on the show. Yeah. Um, so this one's interesting. It's about, you know, basically designer babies and how is that a good thing, bad thing? The way it's described movie-wise, I think we can all agree that's a bad thing, right? The way it's, yeah, the way it is put into action, right? I guess. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie. Right, I mean, yeah. You, you're the only one of the four that's seen the movie, I think. Right, so I mean, it's basically discriminating based on genetics. So right. the way that it's portrayed is, yeah, yeah. a negative. Um, but I do think if you just look at like, hey, if you could go in and maybe take some bad stuff out, like that could be a pro to this in theory. Interesting, right? Absolutely. So if and you could find an issue and be like, ah, no, no, let's remove that issue. I, I don't know, right. Dr. Tinsley. Do you have any any experience with that at all? Well, I mean, that's kind of the basis behind gene therapy. So if someone has a malfunctioning gene, find a way to remove it or treat it. Yeah. Um, currently, our techniques are not good enough that we can with good confidence, go in and selectively remove genes from humans. Um, but there are great examples in science where we've been able to treat those types of instances. So a great example, um, you know, looking at just knowing what the genetic basis is for certain diseases like cystic fibrosis. Right. And so now we're able to test um, women when they're pregnant to determine if they're carrying a child with diseases like that. Yeah. So there's some benefits there. Um, so what, but, but what can you do about that if they're carrying a, a child? Apart with from that, telling with them. Gene? Yeah. Which raises all kinds of it. Well, yeah, and the, there's still a ton of ethical concerns. Sure. Um, I mean, it really depends on what the disease is. So to take kind of a less extreme example, you can look at breast cancer, which is my better area of expertise, I would say. You've got the BRCA1 and BRCA2 mutations, which um, we now know when women have certain mutations in those genes that they are predisposed to certain cancers like breast cancer right. and ovarian cancer. And so when a woman has a strong family history, they can be tested for these mutations and then they can have prophylactic treatment sure. like mastectomies that can reduce their risk back to the normal population. So that kind of boils down to those two scenarios to when you find out that you have a genetic predisposition. So like if it's after you're already born and you're a 20-year-old female and find mm -hmm. that you have a predisposition for breast cancer, then it seems everyone seems on board that that's a very positive thing. We can all do something to help prevent development of breast cancer, right? Right. But it gets a little bit more tricky when it's an unborn child and it, mm -hmm. and it has a potential illness. Is What do you do with that information, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I do want to get into, like, what is realistic? What can we actually do and not do? Um, before birth, but also like I want to talk a lot. I think we're going to talk a lot of hypothetical here because the movie mm -hmm. is kind of a hypothetical situation. That's not actually happening right. at this moment. Or there, is it? Or is to it? what extent? <laughs> but again, like Black Mirror, I feel like Black Mirror. Everything that happens there is going to be something that is going to happen in the next ten years. It's that kind of like that show takes place just in the future, yeah. where it's like kind of now, but things are just a little bit more advanced. And that sounds like kind of what we're dealing with here. Well, and I have a someone sent in a question. The question about the Gattaca movie was, um, is the science used in Gattaca a possibility for us 
now or in the future? Is it something that you think actually could happen? Well, yeah, I mean, we already see, you know, home genetic testing kit, kits. You mentioned 23andMe. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's companies out there. You can purchase a kit. They'll mail it to your home. You can spit in the tube, and they'll give you a printout that tells you what your genetic predisposition is for certain diseases. You spit in the tube? You spit in the I tube. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One day we'll have way more gross. Not test tube babies, <laughs> but spit tube babies. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. yeah, but... Um, but are we actually able to do any... Pre, uh, in pre-fertilization types of evaluation of the genome and engineering manipulate it. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, yes and no. So if you pay any attention to the news and science, um, just in the last no. year, <laughs> this is the Chinese. There's been uh, yeah mm-hmm. the the studies coming out of China with the CRISPR-Cas, which is a new genetic engineering tool that's really just been made available in the last 10 years that's basically like the copy and paste from your computer but for the genome so you can go in and you can very selectively say i want to remove this segment of the dna and i want to replace it with this segment and so this um, scientist in china claims that he has done this in human in two human babies and that they have been born Um, and so there's a lot of questions over whether it's actually been done and of course there's a huge ethical debate because we don't know what the long-term implications are is he doing it right and what are the side effects and whatnot yeah so right now we no one is engineering i haven't i've not seen gattaca but no one's engineering babies quite at the level that we're okay yeah but it is it sounds like it's very theoretically possible and this movie was from by the way 1997 right okay so it's what 20 sure that was before we had even sequenced the human genome so but these kinds of ideas are pretty common in science fiction brave new world deals Mm -hmm. with some similar things about you know uh, designing human beings to uh for slightly different it's not about genetics so much but um so these are the kinds of ideas that people think about a lot when especially when you think about discrimination and Mm -hmm. uh, people have you know uh, all kinds of problematic theories about differences between people so this is playing into those kinds of um ideas i suppose absolutely yeah Yeah. Okay. Well, I was going to say, am I incorrect? Did we set up officially what your specialty is? And, and We have not set that okay, up. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So let, let's go back and reset okay. and talk about, uh, Dr. Tinsley, what your specialty is and how exactly um, you come into play here. Okay, so um, I'm a molecular cell biologist. Um, my PhD is in pharmacology and toxicology. I've done a lot of research with breast cancer and um, lactation, so studying how cells talk to each other in normal and then in disease states because they don't like to listen to each other sometimes in disease states and kind of trying to see how we can tweak that for prevention or therapy purposes. What did you think you were going to be when you grew up? <laughs> That's Honestly, I thought rolled. I would be a lawyer, but changed my mind and as an undergrad. <laughs> that was my first thought when you said that. I was like, no, no child probably says, well, I'm going to be a molecular, uh, yeah, exactly what you said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but sure enough. So when did you decide this was the route you were going to take? Um, probably my freshman year of college. I had a really great science teacher who just saw something in me that I didn't see and helped me realize a passion for science. And what college was that? Auburn University. All right. Yeah. I went to that school. Oh, did you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Thumbs up. <laughs> But go, for yeah. the grace of God, Will, <laughs> Will could have That's been a, a molecular school. biologist. Yeah, I didn't graduate from that school. And so now when I go back and I speak at that school almost once a year uh, to the broadcasting students and journalism students, I have to explain that 
Yeah, I didn't finish. <laughs> but you should, and here's why. Yeah. yeah. So, either way, I digress. Uh, we're hanging out with Dr. Mark Westfall, also Dr. Heather Tinsley as well. We're talking about um, DNA and chromosomes and genomes and, and the whole... I, I've learned already so much. I'm not kidding about that. Like, things that I thought maybe I knew about the stuff, but I just don't. Um, there's been some chatter here in the studio off the air. Really great questions. Great questions. And so now let's get to some of that. Um, Dr. Tinsley, first of all, I think the question read was, um, do you or do you not want babies to be healthy? Mm, that's <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, uh, the question um, posed to you was, uh, what's your, what are your feelings on designer babies? Because that's what we're speaking of, and that's what the, the movie next week is about. And that's your, her seat is getting very hot right now. <laughs> right. It yeah. is. Um, I think my exact response was, it scares the bejeebus out of me. Yeah. Um, I just think where we are scientifically, we don't know enough yet that going in and playing with the genome and trying to decide what traits we're going to have and what traits we're not going to have is just a scary prospect, just because we still don't know so much about what everything is doing. And by the way, as a parent, who are you a parent? Mm-hmm. You are. Okay. Um, that's like one of the most exciting things is not knowing. I agree. What Absolutely. your child's traits are going to be. And like learning about that and watching your child de- child develop and being like, oh my gosh, this is so yeah. crazy how different these kids are and how similar they are to me or dissimilar. Like that's yeah. all part of it. Well, and let's go down this avenue. So another aspect of the genome, I mean, we can look at individuals, mm-hmm. right? And then you can also look at an entire race or species mm-hmm. and I'm kind of, it's been a while since I've been into molecular biology, probably 30 something years. But the whole diversity of the genome and the advantages that gives us as a species, if we start honing down, are we going to lose some of that? Is that an issue? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because having diversity allows us to adapt to our environment, right? And so as our environment changes, which we know it's changing now, we're going to need that ability to adapt. So anytime you remove that diversity, you do lose some of that. And, you know, thinking of diversity amongst the species, I mean, we differ from each other in less than 0.1% of our DNA. So you get that. Yes, absolutely. And also bananas, right? (laughs) I think we're like 50% to bananas or something, but 35% to a worm, which my students learned this week. How about that? Hmm, so yeah. very a very small fraction essentially of the of the set of instructions differ. Right. And if we start messing with that difference, then we may move ourselves right out of the ability to adapt to our environment. Is that kind of what the thought process sure. is? Sure. And and just again, just the lack of I mean, we we have learned a tremendous amount about our DNA and about our genome, but there's still so much to learn. Um, when the human genome was sequenced, we thought that we knew that about 95% of the DNA didn't actually code for anything. It was like the blank space on your blueprint. Um, but after it was sequenced, we figured out that really it's only like 1.5% that actually tells us what to build. And so when I was in school, they taught us that everything else was junk DNA. It didn't mm. do anything. But now we realize that it actually does a whole lot of stuff. It controls all the other stuff. So it's really important, and you can't just go in and cut it out and not do yeah. anything with it. Mm. Do you follow that? 
Uh, yeah. Did the average listener follow that? Yeah. Okay. Only <laughs> like one percent. Just looks at me like. Well, I mean, so average science. dude. Well, hey. I mean, someone who's not in science no, because no, that's a, she yeah. said a really big thing just there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Only one yeah. percent of this thing that we have sequenced do we actually know what it does. Right. Essentially, is what you're saying. The rest of it's important, and then but only we're learning. Loosely. We don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. We don't know what the rest of it does. So we're we're taking bits and pieces out of something that we don't even know what it does, which is very yeah. human. Right. That's <laughs> what we like to do. And, and we're we learning. Like to... and, it, and that's one of the ways that we learn is we go in the lab and we take it out and we see what happens. How does it change? And But doing that in an actual person right. brings in a whole lot of ethical concerns. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I feel like uh, we all here are on the exact same page. We all feel the same way about this and that we're, we're against it. Designer babies where you can just go in and pick exactly how you want your child to be. Are there people right now actually pushing for this? Oh, I'm sure there are. We willing to bet. I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, it's human nature. Mm -hmm. You actually, and you actually, everyone actually does this on an individual level already. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, when you're attracted to someone, when you figure out who you want to marry, you're already kind of selecting. We. This is what we do as humans. We -hmm. pick the flower that looks the prettiest. We pick the trees that grows the tallest. I mean. It's kind of what we do. So to think that that's not the human response to this, I think would be, I don't know, naive is not the right word, but I, I think we'd be misled. But it sounds like the film Gattaca, well, it raises a couple of questions. I mean, number one, at what point does it stop becoming like a natural process, right? Um, but also, at what point does it become a differentiating factor within societal kind of structures? And at what point does, you know, do you have like privileged people who are able to do this thing versus people who are not able to do that? And so that's a whole new can of ethical questions right. there, right? Absolutely. Even if I could afford to do it and there's a group of people who could do it, that doesn't mean that that's going to work out well societally speaking. Right. My yeah. my fear is it's just going to be Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. Oh, Those God. are the two that are going to be able to. <laughs> yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. The whole thing. Mm. Yeah, I think that the what humans will do with that technology or power is what I think frightens me personally. Yeah. I don't know about absolutely. the rest of you guys. Sure. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that's what we're talking about. I mean, it's a fascinating concept, and we're already doing a lot of this in research. I mean, we're already taking bits of DNA and putting it into a chain and seeing what happens, right? So, like, absolutely. I mean, let me throw this out there, and you can tell us, tell me where I'm wrong. So. Like, you can take pieces of, like, we're not the only organisms with DNA. Right. right. Bacteria have DNA. So mm-hmm. you can take a spice of bacterial DNA and put it into some segment of our DNA and, and blend two different uh, genetic codes. Is that accurate? Sure. Yeah. And so Typically that, we how do it the other useful? way, though. So yeah. how is that useful? So one of the ways, so that's what we refer to as molecular cloning, but you can take like a human gene and put it into a bacteria and have the bacteria produce the protein from the gene. And so that's how you can scale up production of things like insulin, which is a human protein. Um, And that way you don't have to go get insulin from a pig or a horse that doesn't necessarily have the exact same insulin as humans. You have human insulin that you can then use in the lab or therapeutically. But you're getting bacteria to produce it. Because mm-hmm. they, yeah. they divide right. so rapidly, right? Right. So yeah. you're getting multiple yeah. copies of it. And you can just get tons of it. So a human cell typically takes 24 hours or more to replicate. A bacterium will divide in 30 minutes. Yeah. So you can get lots of this protein. Um, it's also the basis for genetic engineering of plants. So making the Roundup-ready soybeans that can withstand you know, being sprayed with herbicide. And so then new ethical questions there but right. still 
producing these more robust crops that allow for further food growth. So yeah. we're already doing the thing we talked about with humans and Gattaca. We're actually, I think you said this already, we're already mm-hmm. doing that with plants yep. all the time. And other animals? The, Cows? Yeah, oh, well, we do it all the time in the in the lab. There's not in the human food supply are there genetically engineered but for scientific animals, purposes. But for scientific purposes. Experimental right. purposes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would encourage everyone to Google the green fluorescent protein cat because it's really cool because we've taken this protein called green fluorescent protein. It comes from jellyfish. It glows green and we use it in the lab to track all kinds of things. But a group used it to track FIV, feline um, immunodeficiency virus, which is akin to HIV and infected cats with it and they glow this really pretty green color it's just kind of cool the cats glow the cats glow oh well that's terrifying (laughs) so Mm -hmm. that genetic code came from a jellyfish Mm -hmm. and you put it into a cat's dna sequence or what 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 so you put it into a virus and then the virus infected the cat so the virus goes into the that's what Mm -hmm. viruses do they 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 uh jump on our dna machinery right and start replicating themselves right so I've missed out on glowing cats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 A- Anna's here yeah, now. I just and I was, showed up. I was going to say, I'm sure Anna has lots of questions. And we're going to get to them next segment, Great. Uh, the final yeah, segment good. of the night. When we come back, hanging out with Dr. Mark Westfall. Also, Dr. Heather Tinsley. And we're talking about all the things that, uh, that are kind of scary. And maybe not. When we come back, I think that we're going to, I want to hit some stuff that's really good about this. And like some positives. Please, let's yeah, do. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> so let's talk about the good, though. Um, you start before I pitch to you what I think may be good. What do you see, Dr. Tinsley, as possibly some good outcomes? Well, I think in the last, I don't know, maybe 15 years, one of the areas that Gattaca really deals with is genomics, which is a little bit different than genetics. So genetics looks at those individual genes, whereas genomics scales back and does like the 10,000 foot view and looks at the whole genome. And I think we've struggled with treating genetic diseases because we've been searching for that one gene Mm. that causes the disease, when in a lot of cases, it's a multitude of genes. And so I think having this genomics era where we're scaling back and we're really looking at the big picture, I think we're going to see a lot more being discovered in terms of disease states and how we can treat these potential diseases. So we started off a little too simplistic with our knowledge you're saying scientifically which is natural we started off looking at the the individual units and now we're like wait a minute this is this works as a larger functionable piece of material and right and And it's all talking to itself in different ways and we've got to look at it in a more complex way yeah absolutely how do you do that i mean how do you i mean we we've talked about like you know taking pieces of the dna and putting it into a bacterium Mm -hmm. and doing things with it how do you study like the larger genome. So you can actually sequence genomes. So this was the first human genome was actually sequenced 16 years ago this Sunday. Um, was a, yeah, I was going to say, you can drive now. <laughs> yeah, yeah it was um, a 13-year, $1 billion project that we can now do in a couple of days for a few thousand dollars. Really? You can have someone's genome sequenced. We don't really fully know what, the whole sequence means but what what's really going on now are these genome-wide association studies where they compare like let's say you want to know what 
what genes are involved in autism. You could look at the genomes of autistic patients and compare those with the genomes of non-autistic mm-hmm. patients and with look relatives. For and yeah, that and look for patterns yeah. and then narrow it down that way. I, of course, know all about this, but I bet the average listener doesn't. <laughs> um, so we talked about chromosomes earlier and how mm-hmm. we each have two, right? Uh, the blueprint analogy, if you will. But it, Down syndrome, there's an extra chromosome. How does that happen? Not for me, for the average listener. Explain. Right. So normally during cell division, the cells will replicate their DNA and then they'll divide it in half so that the daughters each get a complete set of DNA. So they get 23 sets from mom, 23 chromosomes from dad. Um, With Down syndrome, an error occurs during that separation phase. And there's an extra chromosome, chromosome number 21. There's an extra copy of that that gets included. So... The stuff we're talking about today, where you can go in and maybe manipulate, uh, is this something that in the future, if you find early on, that could be manipulated and you could say, oh, no, no, we're going to take that one out? I mean, potentially, sure. In theory, that's where the science could go. Yeah. But then again, there's the ethical question of should you or should you not? Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, some of, correct me on this part, I mean, some of, quote unquote, our ability to respond to our environment has to do with mutations that didn't seem to have a function until it came across a place where it happened to, to work. Is that accurate? Right. I mean, yeah, a good example of that is lactose. Everybody yeah. drink milk, ice cream, cheese. In this um, part of the world. Right? Yeah. yeah. The, the natural human state was actually to be lactose intolerant. Most mammals are once they come out of infancy. Um, but during the agricultural revolution, a small portion of the population had this lactose tolerance mutation that then grew within the population because they were consuming milk and those who could consume it and digest it were more likely to survive and reproduce and carry on those traits. So what you're saying is that Westerners are largely just big babies in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think we could say that on a number of of scales. Don't you know cows were thrilled when they realized this was happening? Like, oh, gosh. These people. But hey, it's their, right. it's their livelihood. It's their special mm. purpose. <laughs> right. Special purpose, mm. if you will. That's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, that really is But that was it. a mutation. That's not mm-hmm. normal. Yeah. And then and that became an advantage. Yeah. And I think... Yeah. And there are some mutations that aren't necessarily an advantage, but we might like, like red hair. Right. <laughs> I, I feel like you I might be biased. I almost brought this up earlier. <laughs> it was for before the, I was standing and facing... visual Dr. Tinsley, yeah, uh, Dr. Tinsley has red hair. And I was facing Dr. Westfall, and I was like, so what about this red? And I looked over, I was like, nah, I'm not going to ask that. <laughs> I'm not going to ask that question. <laughs> but I'm glad you brought it up, because I was curious. It's a good mutation, though. There you go. But that, I mean, that is kind of the idea behind uh, evolution and survival of the fittest, that these things, you know, we oh, that accidentally, good news, you are better capable of surviving. So if we start to control that, all of a sudden we may find ourselves in a dangerous spot. Right, and I think that's what Dr. Westfall was getting at yeah. earlier when we were talking about that. It's just that when you remove that diversity, you lose that ad- adaptation, that ability to adapt right. to things that are happening in your environment. You might have to be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. Um, uh, this has been great. I agree. Dr. I mean, Chansley, you're, you're really good at what you do, and we didn't even well, get into you. the fact that she, in addition to all this research, she also has an interest in teaching teachers how to teach, right? Oh, teaching teachers how to teach. Oh, yeah, that's good. That sort was a lot of. of. Yeah. <laughs> um, in fact, uh, we earlier when you were giving your speech about how you came into this profession, 
David Goodwin wrote in and said, yeah, it seems to always go back to great teachers mm-hmm. when, when we get to this place, which he's right. Oh, yeah, because you were, she was talking about her, right. her freshman year of college kind of led you to a place. Are you talking about how to inspire teachers to inspire students, or are you talking about how, like, how to teach science? What's the... All of that. So I I teach science at the University of Montevallo. And as part of that, I've kind of gotten into, well, how can I teach better? And then as I've done that, I've kind of morphed into, well, how can I continue to help myself teach better and then help my colleagues teach better as well and reach their personal teaching goals? Not really. I don't know if you can really say better. And boy, it's a, it's a, I'm a, I'm an educator and it's a constant struggle trying to figure out like how, you, and the students change. Yeah, the students change. You feel all the time change. like, oh, I'm doing a horrible job. There's just always ways to try to get better at, at mm-hmm. pedagogy. No You'll question. be shocked to no. find out I'm not an educator. <laughs> <laughs> just so, sitting in the mm-hmm. studio, hanging out, talking into a microphone. That's You're educating your audience. There you go. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, all right, so next week, next Thursday, McWayne Science Center, that's where you'll be speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Science on Screen is the event. It's uh, such a cool thing. And again, thanks for being here and thanks for uh, well, thank sharing with for our listeners. Me. I know it's something that they'll all want to come check out and, and meet you and hear you speak there in person. should be yeah. great. Dr. Thank Westfall, nope. thanks. Sure. Thanks a lot. Thanks for letting us come in every, every oh, month. Yeah, we love it. To listen to Dr. Mark Westfall live, check out O Brother Radio on Birmingham Mountain Radio. 107.3 FM in Birmingham, 97.5 in Tuscaloosa, at bhammountainradio.com, or on the free BMR app. Join in with your questions and comments on Twitter, at Lockamy Brothers. 